Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Zimmerman. He's a licensed psychologist with almost 40 years of experience providing psychotherapy, mediation, parenting, coordination, co-parenting, and collaborative divorce services to families and individuals experiencing the stress of separation and divorce. He's also the co-author of multiple articles and three books on divorce. They are Loving Your Children More Than You Hate Each Other, Powerful Tools for Navigating a High-Conflict Divorce, The Co-Parenting Survival Guide, Letting Go of Conflict After a Difficult Divorce, and Adult Children of Divorce, How to Overcome the Legacy of Your Parents' Breakup and Enjoy Love, Trust, and Intimacy. Welcome, Dr. Zimmerman. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. You know, a lot of times people worry about their children when they're getting divorced. In fact, they really should be worried about them, shouldn't they? Yes, absolutely. And are there some things that parents can do um, at various stages, you know, let's just say about with young children, to prepare the children for divorce, to make it a little bit easier for them, make it more adaptable to the divorce and the change in their lives? There's absolutely, there's many things that parents can do. I often will suggest that parents together explain to the child in an age-appropriate manner that they're no longer going to be living together, but they're going to continue to take care of the child together as a family. They don't even have to use the word divorce, as that word itself might not make sense to, to children. They also can educate grandparents, extended family, other people about how they're going to want them to behave around the child, what they want them to say. And what they want them not to say, they can explain that this is a decision they've made together, the parents have made together, and that it's not the child's fault. And when they're having that discussion, they shouldn't blame one another or discuss the specifics of why the marriage is ending, but rather give appropriate reassurance to the child that we're going to get through this and this is a change and it'll be okay on the other side of the change. And that even Teddy can go back and forth to both residences that they're trying to keep that sense of wholeness for the child, even though the child will, will, instead of having one integrated residence, will have two residences. Dr. Zimmerman, do you think that it makes a difference if the parents get divorced really early on, you know, like in a pre-memory, like for as an adult, that, that the child would never remember them living together? Do you think it impacts the development if they are formulated in their memory in that way or not? I think that's one less thing, in a sense, for the child to deal with. But on the other hand, it could make some of the bonding a little bit more difficult, depending on how often each parent is seeing the child. So I don't think there's one right way. I don't want to say that parents should rush out and get divorced early um, because it'll be pre-memory. But there are pros and cons, depending on each, whatever level you divorce. I think the, the most important piece that research has shown for probably decades now, is that the thing that influences the children the most in a negative way is the amount of parental conflict. 
And conversely, parents who are getting along and working to keep their marital issues out of their co-parenting relationship, those kids do better. It's the conflict that has the biggest impact on kids. And that's true for divorced families as well as supposedly, and I put this in air quote, intact families. Is that right? Yes. The kids of divorced families whose parents are in less conflict do better generally than the long term than the kids in intact families whose parents are in conflict. It's not the marital status, it's the amount of conflict. And and what does that conflict look like? I mean, is it like daily fighting? Is it, what is the kind of conflict? Oh, (laughs) it takes many different forms. And it can look like daily fighting. It can look like the bad mouthing of one parent about the other, or even an eye roll that says something or a, a short little sentence. Well, you know, that's what mommy does, or that's what daddy does with a disapproval in, in the voice or sarcasm or something like that. It can take uh, the forms of having the child feel like they have to take sides because there's a war going on. It can be outright hostility between the parents and arguing in front of the child uh, or putting the child in the position of having to make a choice. Would you rather do this or do that. And one parent wants the child to do A, and the other parent wants the child to do B, and the child's left with the decision of whom I'm going to disappoint. I think the the real answer is the other side of the coin in terms of what the parents are doing to show the lack of conflict in terms of how the parents are getting along and working together. One little boy in kindergarten had parents that were in so much conflict at open house when the teacher said, go go with your child to your child's desk and do an activity, that child completely melted down because it was the only time his parents were going to be together in the same space to do an activity, and he got so frightened that that couldn't work well. Imagine the other child whose parents would take him to the park and feed the ducks and do all kinds of things together, even though they were divorced, maybe walk to school together sometimes, and... That child has to have his parents or her parents work together at a desk. That child is seeing parents that can engage in cooperation and cooperative co-parenting and isn't living at that same level of fear as the first child. You know, I think that's really interesting that the, I think that people think, well, you know, we got to stay together at all costs for the children. And then they, when they hear that conflict is, you know, the, you know, bad for kids, that they assume that it just means fighting. But I think you're pointing out that that conflict comes in so many different formats and it can be just contempt for the other parent that's expressed in, in facial expressions or, you know, on the side or it, there, there's a lot that goes into that kind of thing. And, and it's, and it's more insidious maybe than apparently than it is just on the, being on the surface. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many children have used the same example with me of parents standing at a football or soccer or lacrosse field. The little ones won't say a lacrosse field, but they'll say that their parents aren't together, that their parents are on diagonal sides of a field or opposite sides of the field. Now, nobody's fighting, but even little children can understand that they're not together here to see me. They're on opposite sides of the field to see me. And my parents are the only parents that are on opposite sides of the field. 
That's not because they're getting along. Yeah, that's really painful. And Dr. Zimmerman, what about, you talked about talking about to children about divorce in an age-appropriate way. What's the difference in age-appropriate for a 5-year-old versus a 13-year-old? Well, a 5-year-old is going to have a 5-year-old's understanding of themselves as a child, of the world that's going to be very different from a 13-year-old. So a 5-year-old might need that reassurance I was speaking about and maybe can take the direction and the structuring of the parents in terms of this is what we're going to do and this is how it's going to work and and kind of understand that at some level, especially if the parents can live it well. The 13-year-old may have a lot more resistance and may also feel, as might a 15 or even 17 or 25-year-old, because adult children, while we may be focused today more on the little ones, adult children can be very disrupted by their parents. Of course, that's turned upside down. You told me the most important thing in life was us as a family, and now you're pulling away from that and you're ruining our family. How can you do that? Oh, my whole life is a, is a sham. Everything you've told me is a sham. So parents of older children may really need to focus on the child's experience. Older children may also have more information than even their parents realize about the divorce. They may have seen a text message. They may have heard fighting at 12 o'clock at night when the parents thought the child was asleep. Um, They may have seen other things or heard other things that one or both parents don't even realize. So older kids are even more complicated, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be real sensitive to the needs of the younger children that need an explanation in terms they can understand. That's why I sometimes suggest don't even use the word divorce because that doesn't mean anything necessarily to a four-year-old. What may mean something to them is mommy and daddy are going to have two houses or two residences, two apartments, and you're going to live in both of them, sometimes with mommy and sometimes with daddy, or there can be, of course, two mommies or two daddies, and that you're going to live with each of us at different times, and that they might be able to understand. They don't have a concept around what divorce means. I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM in Westchester County, alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 5.30, and we're also available as a podcast on all popular podcast apps as well as the podcast website, www.divorcedialogues.com, and I'm talking with Dr. Jeffrey Zimmerman about young children and divorce and how parents can help ease the transition for their children and some do's and don'ts. And I I think that for many young children, really, when they figure out, or children of all ages really want to know, what does this mean for me? And sometimes parents, you know, feel like, well, we have to know exactly where we're going to live, and we have to know exactly what the parenting plan is going to be, and we have to know exactly, exactly, exactly. And is that true? Because oftentimes parents, I think, want to separate before they've figured out absolutely everything, because living together once you've decided to divorce is really hard. It is really hard. I don't think, though, that children need all of that in advance, all the things you pointed out in advance. I think they even sometimes need the information given to them in smaller doses. Uh, In medicine, they might call that titrating the information. And children will often ask for the information they need. So some children may hear, we're going to live in two different homes, and they might say, okay, and then go off and play. 
And the parents are very anxious before saying that to the child, and the child doesn't really look for anything else at that point. Another child might say, why? And why again? And why again? And why again? <laughs> like, why is the sky blue? Well, okay, we would tell me more why is the sky blue. And they ask for lots of information. They may want to know what's going to happen to me. A little older young child may say, how many days will I sleep in one parent's in my house with this parent versus my house with that parent? Can I take Teddy with me? Can I have pictures? Can I talk to mommy when I'm at daddy's house or daddy when I'm at mommy's house? Can I do these things? I don't know that the specifics of the parenting schedule are all that crucial, whether it's Sunday overnight or not Sunday overnight, or how many days it's with mommy, how many days it's with daddy, what am I doing on July 4th weekend? I don't think the child, especially the younger child, is going to be asking those questions. They're going to want to know that as a family, we're going to be okay. And mommy and daddy are still here to take care of you. In fact, the younger child, the older child, and sometimes us adult children, even if our parents are gone, have a hard time imagining that our family, that one role of our parents is as spouses in a romantic relationship, at least at one time, a romantic relationship that may be ending. We imagine our parents as parents, not as husbands and wives, even though we know their husbands and wives as adults. And the little ones don't know what a husband and wife relationship is. They see, I have two parents, and they see those people in a parental relationship. Unfortunately, our system allows the contamination of the parental relationship by the conflict that often happens during the ending of the spousal relationship. If we can protect the children from that, if they can still see Everything's going to be okay. If you're sending a, a five-year-old even to day camp or something in the summer, they don't know all that is, what, what time am I going to have arts and crafts on? What time am I going to have canoeing? Or what time are we going to play tennis? They don't know that. They don't know it either in preschool. When are we going to play in the rice box? And when are we going to do our letter people? And when are we going to do numbers? They don't ask all those questions. They want to know that they're going to be taken care of, that it's safe, they're going to be okay. And they're not going to have a tremendous loss. I'm not going to lose one parent or the other parent. And that you're still here to take care of me. You're my primary caretakers. And I need you. And are you still going to work together to do that job? But, you know, this is a really tough conversation to have with your kids. You know, I speak from personal experience. And I know that with my clients, it's very, very painful to tell your children that you are splitting up and going to live separately. And oftentimes, it's really hard not to cry when you're having that conversation. Is that something, should parents try to hide their own emotions about the conversation when they're talking to their children? I don't think so. I think they can explain their emotions, and I think it's good to meet with a mental health professional who specializes in divorce work in advance, especially because not every child is the same snowflake. They're all different snowflakes, and they have different needs. And you you can have a consultation. This is not going into therapy, so to speak, but you can have a consultation or a series of consultations with a psychologist and say, hey, let me tell you about, let us tell you about our child. Go together. Let us tell you about our child. How can we best talk about this with our child? More specifically in terms of your question, parents can also say, this is sad. We're sad because we thought we'd always live together 
and it can be hard to not be living together, but we're going to do okay. I don't think parents should hide their emotions about lots of things. I do think there are some things parents should not share with children. But if grandma or grandpa was, was really very, very sick and dying, we wouldn't say to the parents, protect your child from that. We would say, help your child in an age-appropriate way. Deal with the sadness and the grief of the grandparents passing. And I think we can, we can do a similar thing here, except nobody's dying. The marriage is dying, but the parents are still here, and they as caregivers are still here, and the family is going to go on. In my case, both of my parents uh, died many, many years ago, and yet when I think of my original family, who do I think of? And my mother had a great gift for getting parking spaces. <laughs> when I get a good parking space, what do I do? I look up at the heavens and I say, thanks, Ma. She's still with me. Yeah. So parents can help the child realize we are still a family. Let me make a cookies for the other parents and we'll make their special cookies, even if the other parents dieting, because the child gets into making these big chocolate chip cookies with Hershey kisses on them or and, and, and another thing. And they make the cookies for the other parent. The other parent can take the cookies and put them in the drawer or they can say, wow, that's terrific. You guys made cookies for me. I'm so excited. You know, Dr. Zimmerman, I think that sounds wonderful. And I'm wondering if people listening to this think that's just so utopian, like that's just not possible. People are angry at each other and I blame you or you blame me for ending this marriage. And, you know, this is all your fault and we have to move and we have to this and we have to that. And now I'm supposed to be happy to get, you know, I'm supposed to bake cookies for you. I think your answer to that is yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, it is because I'm separating the role of spouses, as I was saying earlier, from the role of parents. And as the divorce progresses, it's almost like peeling a layer of film off of another surface. And we peel off the spousal relationship, leaving behind the parental relationship. That's the more important one, as important as spouses are. The role of parents is even more important. And the child, if I'm that five-year-old, I really need my parents more because life just got a lot more confusing and perhaps scary. And I need you to really step up and be parents right now. This is not about you. It's about me, the five-year-old. I need you to be my parents. And what if I had a serious life-threatening illness and this is the first time that you spoke in the last five years? You didn't do all the easy stuff like stand on a soccer field together. How are you going to do the hard stuff? like make an important medical decision. It's not just for me, but it's for the two parents to really start practicing doing it. You're not going to stop being parents when I turn 18. In fact, life can get even harder for those of us with teenage kids that are in adulthood, and it's challenging. Yeah, it is. And parents need to work together. If you can't do the easy stuff, if you can't make me cookies or I can't make you cookies, in one case, I had kids who one parent made the children change their clothes in the garage and put them in a paper bag and then put those clothes on when they went back to the other parent. Yes. What does that say to the child? The clothes are contaminated. That's heartbreaking. As opposed to grandma knitted a sweater. Go show the other parent the sweater that grandma knitted. Take this with you because I think you look so cute and adorable. 
This is Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM, alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 5.30. Or please subscribe to our podcast on any podcast app or at the website, divorcedialogues.com. I'm talking today with Dr. Jeffrey Zimmerman about young children and helping them through divorce. Dr. Zimmerman, if people are interested in finding out more about you or your books, how can they learn more? So they can find out about the books. They can order the books on Amazon or, or other publishing uh, platforms, or they can uh, go to my publisher for these books. They were all published through newharbinger.com, New Harbinger Publications, which is newharbinger.com, or they can go to my website and also find some information about the books. And my website is Jeff Zimmerman, Ph.D., .com, or they even could call me at 914-595-4040. That's great. You know, when you're talking about, Dr. Zimmerman, about divorce and, and death and, you know, sort of putting those two things together, I mean, I think kids say some difficult things. And I'm reminded about my son when he was about two and a half, and I had to explain to him how it is that our dog died, and he was very old, and I was thinking, well, how am I going to explain death, you know, to a two-and-a-half-year-old? And I said to him, you know, Zach, Casey got really old, and his body broke. And um, he said, he thought about it for a minute, and he said to me, you know, uh, Mommy, I have a great idea. And I'm like, well, what? Let's glue him, he says. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I know that I have a client that I had years ago whose daughter said to the parent, you know, it would be a lot easier if we lived with daddy. <laughs> you know, so how do you, you know, say to your kids when they come up with that sort of stuff? I mean, this is young kids, obviously, you know, saying, you know, you know, this would just be easier if we just lived together. Well, don't you think there wouldn't be all this going back and forth? You know, that like, what's a good thing to say in the face of that really kind of innocent suggestion? I think, yeah, it would be easier. I mean, I often will say to parents, imagine going on vacation and you check into the hotel and hotel number one says, we're really glad you're here. But every few days, you're going to have to go to hotel number two. And then every few days, you'll come back to hotel number one. We'd never make those reservations, and we find that really disruptive. Yet we're asking children to do it for years, and I think we can acknowledge you're right. It would be easier. Do you think it's easier for them if they, if they stay in the one home and the parents go in and out? Now, what do you think about that arrangement? I think that works sometimes. We call that, as you know, nesting kind of like the parent birds coming in and out of the nest. And I think that can work for children. I've actually seen that done after the divorce in some cases where parents keep the marital home till the end of the school year, uh, even though they were divorced, let's say, in October. And they're still going in and out of the, the marital home on a schedule. For some kids, that can help with the adjustment because we're not asking the child to go back and forth. We're going back and forth. As a parent, that can be even tougher because one of the things we're not talking about is, of course, the parents' mental health as they go through a divorce. And I think you're right. Those are very, very difficult conversations being held at, at a time when, as a parent, you may be overwhelmed, depressed, depleted, angry, and you're still trying to have a healthy conversation with the child. Yeah, I had a client who I, said to me, I, I hate going, you know, who had agreed to do that, keep the children in the home. And she said, I really, it's so awful going back and forth. And I said, well, you know, you didn't have to do it. She goes, oh, no, I'm so glad I'm doing it, though, because I'd rather go through it myself than put my kids through it. Exactly. It often doesn't work long term as parents wind up with new relationships. And
and they uh, also may want to have their own residence and not have the other parents' stuff around. And they may want to feel like they have their own boundaries that are more separate from the other parent. But it can often be a short-term aid in helping give a child a number of transitions. Some parents feel like we have to do everything at once. And they get divorced at the time that there's a, a school change. This is not necessarily with the little ones, but it could be. You know, I'm going into kindergarten. I'm changing schools from my preschool to the kindergarten or from kindergarten to first grade. And at the very same time, my parents are getting divorced. And at the very same time, the half the furniture is moving from one residence to the other. And now I have two residences. Or perhaps the original marital home is being sold or vacated. And now I have two new residents. And, and, and the parents do that all at once. As opposed to saying, let's do one change at a time and actually structuring that. If you're in mediation or collaborative divorce, it's a lot easier to have a more planned um, discussion and transition where you say, how do we want to structure these transitions for the child so that it can be easier on the child and not just something that's part of the the um, the conflict, conflict. around the divorce. Well, I think we're, we're just like about out of time, Dr. Zimmerman. Thank you so much for being our guest on Dialogue on Divorce. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. It's my pleasure.